Welcome to Commission. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman. And I'm Jed Robine. In each episode, we will talk about the gospel of the kingdom, declaring God's heart for the restoration of Israel and all the nations. So join us as we together explore the mysteries of the one new man. Welcome back to the Commission Podcast. I'm Pastor Eric, and with me is my good friend, Jed Robine with Pilgrim Way Ministries. We are in season two, and we've got so many amazing things to talk to you about. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Jed so you can introduce our topic for the next two episodes. That's great. Good to be with you again, Eric. Yes. It's been a little while since we've been in the recording studio. Yes, it uh, has. Welcome back. Um, It's good to be recording again. I'm excited to get into... Our topic for right now, for the next two episodes at least, uh, we're going to be looking at the book of Acts. Um, In particular, I want to zero in on some stories around Antioch. Mm. And and I want to hear your thoughts on it. I've got a few questions I want to, you know, run past you, Eric, as a Jewish believer, your perspective on what's going on, some of the dynamics that are in play, what the Holy Spirit is saying uh, for us today through these texts. We're not going to be reading the Bible on on the podcast, we want to actually discuss it. So I just would encourage our listeners. I'm going to reference different verses, but you know, please take time to read it for yourself. And we're going to be you know jumping around quite a bit as we go through this. So this isn't quote unquote a Bible study, but it is. We want to look at Scripture and uh, what the Scripture is saying to us. So I'm super excited about this, and I want to start up just by kind of setting the table, so to speak. You know, last season we talked uh, about Cornelius and Peter quite a bit, Acts yes, chapter 10. And I just wanted to start us off by jumping right into where the story leaves off in chapter 11. And so for the first about 18 or 19 verses in chapter 11, basically Peter's getting in trouble uh, mm-hmm. for what happened in chapter 10. He's mm. he's talking to some Jewish guys who are upset at him for spending time with the Gentiles. And they kind of want an explanation. Hey, we've, we've heard about what happened with Cornelius. We're a little bit upset. We're confused. We don't understand what's happening. Peter kind of lays all that out and they finally kind of land on and say, okay, well, yeah. I mean, God baptized him in the Holy Spirit. What more do you, what more evidence do you need mm-hmm. that God's doing something with the Gentiles? And this is a theme that that's going to come back repeatedly as we look at chapter 11, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, as we go through these different episodes um, God is doing something with the Gentiles. Yes. And as we look back to even Jesus's own words there before he ascends, remember in, in Acts chapter one, he says to his Jewish disciples who are asking him, hey, is now the time that the mm-hmm. kingdom is being restored to Israel? And he says, uh, only the father knows that time. But for you, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then unto the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus has his eyes on this global movement that is going to require uh, Jewish emissaries to bring the gospel to the nations. But as we're going to find out, this wasn't an idea that gained immediate traction. Mm -hmm. It took a little time for it to really begin to marinate and motivate and to mobilize the the remnant of believers. Yes. And so what we're going to find in, in Acts chapter 11, as we carry on the story, there's the, the martyrdom of Stephen. God uses this as a key pivot point, a catalytic moment for the early church. Mm-hmm. And what happens is some Jewish believers, because of the persecution, they actually leave Jerusalem. Yes, actually, they, quite a few of them left. And in fact, 
Antioch became kind of the new headquarters exactly. for, the, for the Messianic movement. A lot of the leaders were moving out of Jerusalem to Antioch. Well, they're, they're, they're going and they're preaching the gospel primarily to the Jews, but then it says that there's a, a group of folks that left. These are Jewish believers now. Mm-hmm. They've left Jerusalem, but they're starting to preach to non-Jews That's in right. Antioch. Right. And it says this interesting phrase, and the hand of the Lord was upon them. Yes. And many were getting saved. And so word gets back to this Jerusalem council in Jewish believers in Jerusalem, and they send Barnabas up as an emissary. Okay, we hear that these Gentiles are getting saved in Antioch. Barnabas, you go ahead on up there and check it out. He leaves, heads up to Antioch, sees what's going on, and it actually, his, his heart is glad. Mm-hmm. He's overjoyed. And then we have a very interesting wrinkle where it says, without much explanation, Barnabas desired Paul, and so he went to Tarsus Mm-hmm. to grab the Apostle Paul and brought him back to Antioch where they taught mm. for a whole year. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I want to hear your thoughts on that first. My first question is, talk to me a little bit about, you know, Barnabas is being sent up. Barnabas is a Jewish believer. Mm-hmm. He has the respect. He's a man filled with the spirit of good reputation, early leader in the church. He gets sent up to check things out. And he says, man, I got to get I got to get Paul up here. Mm -hmm. And so, Eric, what are your thoughts about, you know, what's going on and kind of the background here as Barnabas Mm -hmm. is going to fetch Paul to bring him to Antioch? Well, there is a pretty broad and complex piece of history here that early church history that um, I won't dig into too much, but I'll just kind of touch briefly on some of the important points. The first one is, is Paul, because we know that, that Paul was actually present in Jerusalem when Stephen was martyred. In fact, they, they actually put their cloaks at his feet and said, you know, here, watch these for us while they went and uh, stoned Stephen to death. And so Paul is actually actively participating in the persecution of these Jewish, mostly Jewish followers. At that point in Jerusalem, they would have probably all been Jewish. And of course, we know on the road to Damascus is when he has his encounter with Jesus and he gets saved. So he's... he's um, now in a very difficult place, if you can if just for a moment think about where Paul is, because now he is he's going to be rejected by the Pharisees. There's no question that he's getting kicked out of the rabbinic council. He, he's, he's not going to be welcome there. And yet the early church believers, who most of them were Jewish also, were not really crazy about Paul either, because he was the one that was leading up much of the persecution. Right. So he's he's really spending a lot of his time outside of of Israel, and that area of Antioch was, um, it, it it was there were Jewish communities. Most of them were Hellenized, meaning that that they spoke Greek. They were heavily infused into the the Greek culture of of that time, and so they they were Jews. But they, they weren't the kind of strongly zealous Jewish leaders and Jews that were living, say, maybe in around Jerusalem. So it is interesting that, that some of them were actually receptive to the gospel, and we, and we read that. But Antioch becomes this new, kind of like this headquarters for the church. Yes. And, you know, with the persecution happening in Jerusalem, again, a lot of these le- leaders were leaving and finding that there was this place of refuge just outside of Israel in Antioch. 
And the Hellenized Jews were generally pretty friendly towards the the Gentiles because they had kind of assimilated into that Gentile culture. And so it, they're they're thriving, and and the, and many of the Gentiles are also starting to receive the gospel, and that's really uh, one of the areas where the church began began to grow. Right, and so it became a teaching center. Exactly, and I, I want us to think back to you know, there's this beautiful human drama going on mm-hmm. where you know Barnabas is getting you know he's getting sent around, Paul is getting woven into the story, but God is continuing work that He began. Right, and as we look at how big a pivot Acts 10 is with Cornelius. Mm -hmm. And then you kind of, you know, God is saying, goes to great lengths to tell Peter, don't call unclean what I'm calling clean. Mm -hmm. I have a plan for these Gentiles. I need you to understand this, Peter. And of course, Peter is, you know, is confronted with his own, you know, Jewishness. Right. And he's struggling. He is struggling. To understand, okay, God is doing something that I have not, I haven't seen this before. Mm-hmm. This is a new concept. Right. It's not just a new concept to Peter because obviously he's, he's now getting grilled by the, the believing Jewish council mm-hmm. at the beginning of Acts 11. And yet God is making it really clear, I think, as he's telling the story, I'm working with the Gentiles. Yes. And so these, these guys are all getting saved and it's this continuing invitation is going out. Mm-hmm. And it's like when they go to preach at the Jewish synagogues, there's some success, early wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where the hand of the Lord really is moving, that was a surprise, was the, the Gentiles. The Gentiles, that's right. Like, whoa, there's some fruit when we preach at synagogues, but there is a bountiful harvest mm-hmm. when we start, you know, as Jewish emissaries, we start speaking this out to the Gentile mm-hmm. crowds. Right. They're receiving the word, and in a few a few places it says they're receiving the word with joy. Mm-hmm. They're honoring and receiving the word of the Lord, and so I think the Holy Spirit's going through great lengths to demonstrate. And we'll see this as we go into particularly Acts thirteen and fourteen. The Jewish people, the Jewish synagogues, start to get jealous of Paul mm-hmm. and Barnabas, and they actually start to oppose mm. what the message that Paul and Barnabas are bringing. And in, in several cases, they try to throw them out of different cities. They're going to stone them. They're going to persecute them. Mm-hmm. And so Paul and Barnabas seem to catch on because they start to quote Isaiah 49, for example, like, we're going to be a light to the Gentiles. Like, mm-hmm. we've, it's right that we came to you and preached to you first. Right. You're now rejecting us. At one point, they shake the dust off their sandals, which is a fascinating, you know, mm-hmm. callback to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10. You know, yes. if you go into these towns and you're rejected— you know, dust the sand off your sandals on your way out of town as a testimony against that region. Mm-hmm. And so Paul and Barnabas actually do this at one point because it's the Jewish community that's chasing them out, seemingly motivated by jealousy. Yeah. So this is, this is a really interesting part of the, 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 the timeline, the theological timeline that I think we need to kind of drill into. And we were, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. And that is that that the entirety of scripture is one continuing story. Dispensationalism works to a point. And so we know, for example, on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell, and that began a dispensation of time of the work of the Holy Spirit. And really the church was being born from that time going forward. So dispensationalism is okay. The problem with hardcore dispensationalism is that there's this tendency to think that, okay, 
at some point, God made a hard stop with Israel, and now he's just working with the Gentiles. Right. And that's exactly the opposite of what we see happening here in the book of Acts. God is still honoring the call on the Jewish people. Yes. Paul actually says that it's an irrevocable calling that we have to be a light to the Gentiles, to, in other words, to preach the gospel and to bring the knowledge of God and the, and the oracles of God, to bring those to the nations. And so it's, it, it's right that God would honor that by anointing Paul and Barnabas and then commissioning them from the church in Antioch yep. to, to go out. So if you, if you then can, if you take that story forward and you realize that, okay, God isn't finished with Israel and that really throughout the ages that he still has a plan for the Jewish people and, and for the nation of Israel. And there's always been a remnant of believers. Paul says that even at this time, there's a remnant saved according to grace, meaning that God has always preserved a remnant of the Jewish people, but that in the fullness of time, God is going to begin pivoting back towards Israel, back towards the Jewish people and and the nation of Israel. And it's not that he'll stop saving the Gentiles, but he will bring Israel and those believers, Jewish believers, into the story to complete the story as we move into the end of the age. Well, And and I think, Eric, you're, you're putting your finger right on one of the reasons why I wanted to really dive into this at the start of season two. Mm is is talking about you know we we you referenced Antioch as kind of a headquarters right um and so i look at it as why why not jerusalem obviously there's an apostolic council there and we'll find mm-hmm. that that features pretty prominently in acts 15 because they settle the dispute of okay these gentiles are getting saved do we need to put them under the mosaic law mm-hmm. circumcise them and then they can follow jesus and they decide not to do that mm. which is a really important Another important pivot in the gospel going out to the Gentiles in the story of Acts. But God is, in my opinion, I want us to set this up for our listeners. Mm -hmm. What if Antioch is a prototype of what God is establishing on the earth as the ecclesia? And he's saying, Mm -hmm. because I want us to, I'm actually going to read these verses really quick. And we're going to go to Acts 13. And it says in verse one, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch were Barnabas, mm-hmm. Simeon, who was called the black man, Lucius, who was from Cyrene, Manaen, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Paul. Mm. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, anoint or appoint Barnabas and Saul for their special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. Mm -hmm. So this is Acts 13, and we get a little window here into Antioch. Mm. And so you have Jews and you have Gentiles who are worshiping together, praying Mm -hmm. together, fasting together. And we remember back to Acts 11, they're there for a whole year. Mm -hmm. Paul and Barnabas are seeing the one new man, and they're living it for a year in mm-hmm. community. And the result of that community is anointed mission. Yes. The Holy Spirit through this, count, let's just call him a council of elders, mm-hmm. but it's a multicultural council of elders. You have this man from Africa, Simeon. Mm-hmm. You've got someone from Cyrene. You have some Hellenists there. Right. You have Jewish guys there. You have this multicultural expression of the kingdom of God, of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. worshiping together. And I think this is a very intentional choice by the Lord 
of storytelling mm-hmm. of saying I'm pivoted. I'm, I'm bringing the Gentiles in and the next headquarters is not going to be a Jewish only headquarters. It's going to be a multicultural family mm-hmm. that's going to be worshiping together, living together, fasting together and doing mission together. And as we fast forward into Paul's thinking, my, my second question for you today is, how formative might this experience have been for the Apostle Paul when we think about what he says in Ephesians 2 and 3, mm-hmm. where he gets this revelation of the one new man? Right. But here he is living it years before he writes Ephesians. He's living, having this experience in real time with real people of real community in Antioch. I'm fascinated mm-hmm. by what the Lord is setting up here in Paul's journey and really for the entire church to look at a prototype of what it means to be the family of God. Well, I think, I think you're right. I think Paul has been given, he was given this very clear vision from the Lord of what the church is supposed to look like. And he was torn. I feel in some ways similar to Paul, torn between my identity as a Jewish person and my being called to this nation, to a Gentile nation, to serve here and to live here and to make this my home. And yet at the same time, I'm also an Israeli citizen and I have family in Israel. And so I feel like I've got one foot in both worlds. And, and I think Paul did probably felt the same. So what's happening in Jerusalem is you have predominantly an all Jewish uh, council that exists in Jerusalem. And it was led by the brother of Jesus, James. And as far as we know, and I don't, this may not be 100% accurate, but as far as I could tell, it was almost entirely Jewish. And so there wasn't really, and of course, the population in Jerusalem would right. have also been predominantly all Jewish. I mean, that there may have been some, some outsiders living in and around the area, but, but for the most part, it was a Jewish population. Right. And so they're functioning just perfectly well and comfortable in their own same culture and language and and, uh, you know, religious identity and affiliation, living in the same Jewish communities around Jerusalem that they've been living in for thousands of years. There doesn't seem to be, and, you know, reading the story of the Council of of Jerusalem, where they're wrestling with this, uh, what to do with the Gentiles, essentially, and and the question, of course, is surrounding circumcision. But, and, and James, you know, eventually makes this declaration at the end, a statement. But, I'm reading that thinking, okay, now what, what's the next step, James? Aren't you supposed to now say, let's send our emissaries out into the nations because we're, we're the headquarters here in Jerusalem. We're supposed to be sending our emissary, our sent ones, our apostles out into the ends of the earth to preach the gospel. But that's not what they do. They turn around and go back to their, their books and studying and hanging out with their, their Jewish brothers in Jerusalem. And they give Paul this scroll and they say, here, you go back and you, you take this to the Gentiles. You know, it's like they, they'd sort of labeled him as the, the guy that was going to be their sort of liaison between the Jewish world and the Gentile world. Right. And, and that's exactly, and that's what he did. And, totally. and so Paul goes back to Antioch and, you know, he shares the, the message, but he continues his heart. God has transformed his heart to fall in love with the Gentiles. Yes. And, and, and he writes that constantly about this love that he has that God's put in his heart for the Gentiles. And you're not, he, you're not experiencing that with other Jewish leaders. And so I felt like, as you were asking the question, that it wasn't that God wanted to necessarily remove the headquarters from Jerusalem, because that's 
that is where his kingdom is going to get set up and it is going to be the headquarters. But because of the reluctance, I think, of the Jewish leaders to really go out and, and assimilate themselves with the, the Gentile believers, that God had to do something to eventually, eventually, of course, Jesus already prophesied that the, the city would be destroyed and the temple would be destroyed. And so right. that was already prophesied that it was going to come and every stone that was there was going to be destroyed. And so, but God used that as an opportunity to ultimately scatter these Jewish leaders into what we call the diaspora. Right to get them out of Jerusalem, out of their comfort zone. But even before that happens, you already have this, like you said, this microcosm of a one new man congregation in Antioch that is, that is already assembled with Jews and, and Hellenists and Greeks and other people of other nationalities that, that were coming there to be a part of this new Christian movement. That's where they first started actually calling them Christians. Which that's, and that's so key. Because I want us to think about that. That's kind of, that's verse 26 of chapter 11, where it says, and this is where, it's in parentheses, Mm -hmm. and this is where they were first called Christians. Right. But I want us to think about this. It was a a bit of a revelation to me, because um, I was meeting with an African-American pastor. We were doing a Bible study looking at this, and I had not seen it before, which is why, you know, I was like, man, this will be a great podcast Mm -hmm. episode to dive into with Eric. And we were talking about this too, but... Acts 11, verse 26, this is where they were first called Christians. And I was running down this thought, like, why? Mm-hmm. What is the Lord saying? Because that's in there for a reason. Right. And if you remember, you know, Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Mm-hmm. And we know because of John 17 that he's not just talking about the Jewish disciples. He mm-hmm. says, all who will ever believe in me. Mm-hmm. And even in John 10, he tells his Jewish disciples Look, there's another flock mm-hmm. I've got to go to. Right. He's speaking of the Gentiles. And I'm going to bring this flock in. There'll be two flocks, but one shepherd. I'll make one big flock. That's right. This is a reference, an early reference to the one new man. And so here, but this is where they're first called Christian. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a connection here to the love that's being displayed that's multicultural, multi ethnic, Jew Gentile in Antioch. Mm hmm. And, we're, and they're, they're obeying the words of Christ. Mm-hmm. As you love one another, the world will know you're my disciples. And what does the world do when they see that love in Antioch? That's when the world decides mm-hmm. you are called Christian. In other words, you guys are like little Christs. That's right. I think that's a very important uh, notation there for us as believers today. Mm-hmm. You know, if, and this is what I want to end our first episode on, actually, is that idea. Mm-hmm. Because this is more relevant now than it's ever been. You know, Revelation 7, mm-hmm. every tribe and tongue, this is the dream of God. Mm-hmm. The, the nations are his inheritance. Yes. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God. There's a transference of power and allegiance. Every knee is going to bow. Mm-hmm. Every tongue is going to confess that Yeshua is the Messiah and the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Mm-hmm. Amen. And so as we look at this for our listeners out there, Antioch is this picture Mm. of something that the Lord birthed, but he's not done with it. Mm -mm. You have Antioch on a small scale, one city in in the ancient world. But in Revelation 7, we have Antioch on a cosmic, Mm. eternal level where, you know, in, in Acts 13, we have four or five Elders worshiping together, fasting together, working together, loving each other, 
But in Revelation 7, you've got a remnant from every tribe together. Yes. It's on an extreme level, on a, a thousand, you know, 10,000 fold increase level, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, percentage it would be, only mm-hmm. the Lord knows. But, you know, you know, this is what, what was at one time will be again. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I believe as Antioch was on the earth and before, so it will be again. Mm-hmm. And we're moving towards that. And I feel like this is really core to our message, Eric, commission. Mm-hmm. That we're we're wanting to point people towards the family table. We've talked about that. The yes. one new man, the healing that it can exist only through the gospel of the kingdom. And so as we look to kind of close this episode down, I want to uh, kick it back to you for a second to respond to some of those things I just threw out there. What are your thoughts on it um, as we kind of wind this episode down? Well, I agree. I think that Antioch is a biblical prototype for what the one new man church assembly congregation is supposed to look like the ecclesia of the one new man. And, and I agree with you hundred percent that God isn't looking just to have that kind of a mixed multitude of, of people, Christians in one city. He's looking for that to be replicated throughout the entire, the entire earth. So the, we know the history, we know that, that, and it was predominantly, although I don't think exclusively the church in Rome that, decided to to break away from this messianic, this Hebraic foundation that God had already birthed. And we know that from the history that the church after that time began, and Paul, of course, preached against that in Romans 9, 10, and 11. He's actually writing to the church in Rome. Right. It wasn't the Roman Catholic church yet, but he's writing to the church in Rome saying, don't do this. Right. Don't break away. Don't go off and do this thing that you think is what you think is right, but it's actually very wrong. It's, it's severing branches away from God's cultivated olive tree and understand that God has a plan for Israel and you're, you're part of that plan. Let him do his work and, you know, do your part in obedience to, to preach the gospel to the Jew first, but don't, don't break away. So now we're in this, where we are today, we, we lost the prototype of the Antioch church. And I believe what you just said God is going to begin restoring the prototype of the Antioch church. And we're going to see these little microcosms of the one new man popping up everywhere until, until the end when, of course, everything then is returned back to, back to Jerusalem because yes. that's where it started. So, you know, when Jesus said that the, the gospel would go out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, he was not then suggesting that it would stop. Right coming out from Jerusalem, he was actually saying it would continue to flow from Jerusalem until the end of, until the end of the age. But because Jerusalem has been destroyed and, and the church headquarters in Jerusalem has been, they were scattered, I think we're going to actually see an apostolic restoration of the church. But now that one new man church model this is so powerful because of why we were in Israel in 2019, mm. to begin to see God restoring that model of that one new man church, but it's in Jerusalem this yes. time. Uh, as, it, as it once was, so it will be again. Yes. And so I, I feel like that's a great place to park this episode. I want to just thank you, Eric, for continuing to do commission with me. I have a great time doing these podcasts. Thank mm-hmm. our listeners for listening, and we'll pick up here in Acts for the next few episodes. We will talk certainly about Antioch, but there's so many rich nuggets, I think, to draw out as we go on this journey together. So thanks again for listening to Commission. 
If you have enjoyed this podcast from Permission, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our ministry websites. We pray the Lord richly blesses you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.